you have to use my friend for Columbus. <laughs> Why not? I like new people. It's fun. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Columbus Blue Jackets. I believe this is the first, yeah, first Columbus Blue Jackets game of the season, which has felt like a thousand years. And we are joined this time by Bailey Johnson, who covers the Blue Jackets for the Columbus Dispatch. Bailey, how are you today? Good. How are you? Very good. Thanks. Um, So given that this is the first time we're seeing the Blue Jackets this season, I guess kind of um, high level, how have things been going for them so far? Recently, not so great. They started out pretty hot. They went 12-6-0 in their first 18 games, which caught basically everybody by surprise. Since then, I don't have it in front of me, but there's something like 3-10-1, maybe even worse than that. It hasn't been good. Um, just last week, they went into Carolina, beat them six, nothing turned around two days later and got absolutely boat raced by Florida nine to two. They haven't played since then. So they've been getting worked pretty hard in practice the last couple of days to get ready to go to Philly tomorrow. But yeah, it's definitely been an up and down year so far. And do they have anyone on COVID protocol right now? They do. So Jake Voracek, who will obviously be very familiar to you, is currently in protocol. There's a chance he could come out in time for the game. He's not traveling with the team, but he could go separately. And then Cole Sillinger is also in protocol. Also a chance he could come out, but smaller than the chance Jake could. And defenseman Adam Bokvist and Vladislav Gabrikov are both definitely out. So right now, I'm looking this up as we speak because I am a professional. Um, The Blue Jackets are sitting fourth in the wild card race behind Detroit, Boston, and Pittsburgh. Detroit being up there is kind of wild. They do have four games in hand on the Blue Jackets right now. Um, I guess is this where... Blue Jackets fans and people like you who write about the Blue Jackets, is this about where you expected the team to be halfway through the season or were you expecting a little bit more? This is definitely where I expected them to be. Honestly, maybe even a little bit better than what I thought they were going to be. The fans have had a tougher time accepting that this was sort of always going to be what this season is, that it's year one of the rebuild, retool, whatever they want to call it, that this was not a season where making the playoffs was really a goal of theirs as much as they tried to say it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's, um, it seems like since Tortorella left, it's been kind of, I mean, just from the outside looking in anyway, kind of seemed like a team that was probably going to trend down just kind of based on, you know, players leaving, coach leaving, all that kind of stuff. I think kind of, can compound and lead to, because I, I as much as I don't like John Tortorella personally, he did seem to get a little bit more out of the roster than he probably should have. He definitely did. I came in last year in February was when I started. So I got to see sort of the ugly end of the John Tortorella tenure. And frankly, there are a lot of guys in the locker room who really liked him and still do. But he kind of, his message tends to wear out just like really with any coach, but the way he coaches obviously can wear out a little bit quicker yeah. than some others. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely time for a fresh start and they brought in Brad Larson who had been a long time assistant and he's done well so far. There are definitely the subset of fans who are starting to call for his job and say that it's his job to be winning games, but really that's not his job this year, his job this year. And for the next year or two after this is to develop the young players and get the team in a position where 
possibly somebody else can take over when they get back into the playoffs, or maybe he'll have won the job by that point. But my understanding this whole time has been, it was Brad Larson to come in, develop the kids. He's on a three-year contract. And then if he's the guy to help them really go for the win, awesome. But there's a good chance that they'll look somewhere else for that. So to kind of get, you know, more granular into how the team is playing, um, what would you say has been the brightest spot for the team? I would say um, Cole Sillinger's performance has been a real bright spot. It doesn't look as successful on paper as people maybe would have hoped, but to be 18 years old, a full year younger plus than the next youngest player in the league, and to be playing regular minutes every night, I think is really impressive. They kind of didn't expect him to make the team out of camp. I remember Brad Larson saying he came in every day looking for reasons to send Cole back to junior, and he kept not giving him any. Um, unfortunately, he will be out most likely for the game against the Flyers, but he's been a real bright spot. I also think Zach Wierenski taking over the true number one defenseman role now that Seth Jones was traded to Chicago has been a bright spot. Um, this was a role that Zach's been ready for and has wanted. And again, though, it may not look as outstanding on paper as people would have hoped. I think he's been a real stabilizing force for them. And what's been the weakest part of the Blue Jackets game this season? The defense outside of Zach Wrensky hasn't been great. They've got, um, particularly for Thursday's game, the defensive pairs are a wild ride. Um, and the goaltending has really struggled. It started out strong with Elvis Merzlikens playing like he wanted to win the Vezina, which he does. Um, and then he started to struggle. Eunice Corpusalo has had a really, really tough year, which is particularly challenging because he's a pending UFA and they've been looking to move him basically since September. And unfortunately, with his sub 900 save percentage, that's looking pretty dicey at this point. Yeah, the goaltending has been definitely a weak point. The team in front of them hasn't given them a lot of opportunities, but the goaltenders haven't bailed them out when the opportunity was there either. Yeah, which I was kind of surprised to see because, um, again, just paying attention to the Blue Jackets, like, peripherally, it always kind of seemed like Elvis in particular was kind of a bright spot for the team in seasons past. Yeah, he is. Um, I think we can't overlook, and particularly on today, which was the um, two years ago today was Mati- on Wednesday as we record this, was Matisse Kivlenix's first NHL win, which I've been seeing stuff about all day. I don't think we can overlook the impact that that's had on Elvis and dealing with grief and the loss of his very, very close friend. I know it was something that motivated him at the beginning of the year to sort of be powered by Matisse and want to use that pain to push through. And then I think, I mean, not to speak for him, but there's definitely a sense that he's gotten to a point where it's been hard. He just mentioned recently, um, he had a really terrible outing against the Carolina Hurricanes on New Year's Day. And talking about it a few days later, he said, well, I didn't sleep very much that night because it was New Year's Eve and you know what happens. And I believe that to be him referencing the fireworks that people set off on New Year's Eve. So there's definitely a lot going on for Elvis off the ice that I think is contributing. Oh God, that's so sad to hear. I hate that. Um, how has Voracek looked just because people are interested? He's been really good. He has not scored goals, which I don't know that people really expected him to. I think he has won all season, which is almost hilarious, but he's lighting it up with the assists for a while. He was leading the NHL in primary assists. I don't think he is anymore, but he's got 24 assists. He's second on the team in points exclusively because of his 24 assists, um, He's really helped the power play run. He's really, I think, enjoyed being with a younger group of guys and helping the rookies and teaching them. He's been really a lot of fun and a breath of fresh air for this team. That's excellent to hear. Um, Jake was always kind of a 
a mixed bag as far as fan response to him goes. He was, you know, a bit of a character, which I'm sure you've experienced covering the team um, at this point. But he he will get you a ton of points. And it's hard to lose that, as the Flyers, I think, are finding <laughs> this season. Um, are there any players that we might not know about that you kind of think we should be keeping an eye on because they're playing so well? There are a couple. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, I don't know, counts as underrated anymore. I feel like people have started to make him the guy that goes around on Twitter as the most underrated player, therefore making him not actually that underrated anymore. But he really is one of the best shooters on the team. He is a threat to score basically every time he touches the puck and is someone I've really enjoyed watching. I didn't know a ton about him before I got here, and he's one that super impressed me. Um, Gus Nyquist also is seeing a resurgence lately. He missed all of last season after having shoulder surgery and there were some questions about how he was going to come back at his age. He's in, I believe his early thirties. Um, and it definitely took him some time at the beginning of the year to settle in, but the last 10, 15 games, he's really come on strong and has looked really, really good. So that's been fun to watch as well. How have they looked on special teams this year? Very good on the power play at the beginning of the year. And then they've gone through basically the majority of the season without their full number one power play unit intact mm. with everybody. It would be, Patrick Laine, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Boone Jenner, Voracek, and Zach Wierenski. And they've only had that group together for, I want to say, like 10 or 15 games out of the whole season. So that's obviously been a struggle for them. Um, and the second unit power play has done functionally nothing as it kind of rotates in with the guys they need to move up to the first unit and all of that. Basically, it's been very unsettled. The penalty kill was always sort of a bright spot of John Tortorella's teams. And there's certainly the potential there for that this year. They were stronger on the penalty kill at the beginning of the year, and it's dipped a little bit lately, much like the team's performance has. So I would define it as pretty average in both categories with the chance when the first unit power play is healthy to be pretty explosive, but we just haven't really seen that. And do you have any idea which goalie we should expect to see? I don't. I would probably guess Elvis just because Corpusalo has struggled lately, but then again, Elvis also struggled mightily in their last outing in Florida. So it's really a toss up at this point. Playing the Flyers is a great way for a goalie to get his game back. <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of like a, a stoppable force meets a movable object at this point. Like both of these teams are a little yeah. bit not where they thought they were going to be. And we'll see which struggle comes out on top. <laughs> that's That was kind of how the last two games against the Islanders went. Which of these underperforming teams that's bad can be less bad on this particular evening? That nine-round shootout last night just really was everything that I thought it needed to be. Hilarious. Honestly, if you wanted to put a Flyers-Islanders game in an encyclopedia for future generations to understand what they were like, that game is probably a perfect representation. Absolutely. Although maybe there needed to be just like a little bit more interference from the Islanders, but otherwise I think it was a pretty textbook Flyers-Islanders game. Which is to say, annoying and frustrating and, in the end, upsetting. Um, the last thing I'll ask you, like I ask everyone, is for a prediction on the final score of this game, just for fun. Oh, goodness. Um, let's go with three to two flyers. Oh, yeah. I'll say Spicy. that. Because if they lose tomorrow, it'll be their second 10-game losing streak. Well, winless streak, as we were supposed to say, um, of the season. Which is, uh, at this point, the the Sickos and the Flyers fan base, I think, are rooting for that to happen. Just for yeah. the, the chaos. Um, 
I personally think they're going to do it. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to say something like a, maybe a two to one, three to one type of loss for the Flyers. That seems possible. We'll see how much juice the Blue Jackets have after, to put it lightly, getting the shit skated out of them on Monday. I've never seen Brad Larson the way he was, or to be fair, I wasn't there. I was just hearing what he was saying, but definitely a new side of Brad Larson after that ugly loss in Florida. So whether that motivated them or they're still reeling from that, I guess we'll find out. That's pretty intense. I don't know if you, like, I can't remember the last time I heard about a coach, like, essentially bag skating a team. Me either. I was pretty surprised, especially because Larson's come across, obviously, a demanding coach, but relatively mild-mannered in that sense so far this year. And the 9-2 loss, I think, really got him. And he also had two full days, basically, to think about what he was going to do in that practice. And I have to believe that that contributed to it, that he had from Saturday night till Monday morning to think about what they were going to do to make up for that. Because he was pretty upset Saturday night, felt like some of the guys had quit, which is not something he's willing to accept. If you lose to Florida, you lose to Florida. They're a very good team. But to lose the way that they lost, he found absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, there's really only two ways that goes. Either they come out swinging because they're pissed off and want to prove the coach wrong, or they come out flat because they're pissed off and don't want to play for the coach anymore. I guess we'll see. We sure will. Bailey, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Bailey A. Johnson underscore, and the links to mine and my beat partner, Brian Hedger's work, are all there. So if you want to read us, you can do that there, too. Excellent. Bailey, thank you again for hanging out with us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. I hope that you enjoy the game. I hope the Flyers give us a little bit of a show. And maybe we get to 10, or maybe we don't. Thanks for having me. No problem. Go Flyers.